Michelle Kehoe is a name that many of you may already be familiar with, but I'll be honest, prior to making this documentary about Michelle, I'd never heard of her. Michelle has become known as one of the most disturbing killers in the United States. After she claimed the life of her two-year-old son, you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. With a hunting knife, then attempted to claim her 7-year-old son's life as well. These crimes earned her the nickname, The Mommy Murderer. Welcome to True Crime Stories. My name's Ty Knotts, and if you love true crime documentaries and want to see more of them, be sure to hit the like button and subscribe. It's totally free and helps us both out. It was November 2nd, 2008, when news broke about the Kehoe family, who lived in Littleton, Iowa. KCRG.com broke the news that Seth Kehoe, just two years old, had been killed in a disturbing crime that took place in a rural area of Iowa. According to Gene Kehoe, the father of the family, his two sons, Seth and Sean, had been traveling with their mother, Michelle, to visit family in the nearby town of Sumner. They left the family home on Sunday morning and were expected to arrive that afternoon, but they never made it to their final destination. Investigators who arrived at the scene recalled the chilling events from that day, saying that Michelle had run over to a nearby home to get help and call the police after she had allegedly been ambushed by someone who claimed the life of her two sons, then turned towards her. By the time detectives arrived at the scene, they found two-year-old Seth a short distance away from the family's minivan, lying in the woods. Unfortunately, he had already lost his life before investigators had even gotten there. Michelle's other son, seven-year-old Sean, was reportedly found inside of the minivan. He too had suffered serious injuries in the ambush, but he was still alive by the time medics made it to the crime scene. Michelle was in such poor condition that she needed to be airlifted to the nearest hospital for emergency treatment. At the time that the crime took place, police refused to comment on the severity of their injuries, but they explained that everyone was in critical condition. The family's van was found on the side of the road near an area that locals refer to as Hook and Linder Pond. Police say that they searched the van but found nothing of interest. They also searched the pond for any evidence that may have been left behind by a killer, but there were no clues found there either. At this same time, investigators said that they'd be ruling nothing out in their investigation, as they were exploring every avenue to try to find out what had happened to the family. No immediate arrests were made when the family members were taken to the hospital for treatment, but police were, for obvious reasons, suspicious of Michelle as soon as they arrived at the scene of the crime. I say obviously because Michelle had been the subject of a separate police investigation several months prior. According to official police records, officers had been called to the scene of a car crash back in 2007 when Michelle and her two sons had driven off of a bridge and plunged into the Iowa River. At least four passing motorists pulled over and dove into the water to help Michelle and her sons break free from the crash. 
Everyone made it out safe and sound, but police were highly suspicious that the crash had not been an accident, as Michelle had claimed. They conducted a thorough investigation of the river, but no clues proved that anything nefarious had taken place. Thus, the investigation was closed and no charges were filed. When police showed up to the scene of this most recent crime, they were reminded of the accident that the family had been in less than a year before and wondered if Michelle may have been up to no good. Between November of 2008 and October of 2009, there isn't much in terms of evidence or investigation updates that were made public. But in October of 2009, the Daily Iowan published an article that gave several updates to the case, revealing that both Sean and Michelle had recovered from the incident and were now being taken to trial. As it would turn out, detectives were correct in their initial analysis of the crime scene. Sure enough, Michelle was to blame for this savage and grossly disturbing crime scene against her family. In court, young Sean testified against his own mother. His version of events is shocking to say the least, as he revealed several true stories about his mother's crimes that would make your jaw hit the floor. While I can't go into all of the more gruesome details of how this crime scene unfolded, I can say that Sean testified that his mother bound him and his brother with duct tape. She also covered their eyes, nose, and mouth, and the crime unfolded just moments later. When she'd finished with Seth, she placed him in the nearby woods just a short distance from the family's minivan. She then turned her anger towards Sean. When she believed Sean had lost his life too, she then turned to herself in an attempt to make the crime scene look even more believable, claiming that they'd been ambushed by a stranger. More specifically, she claims that a scary man had come after the family, taken out her children, then chased after her. A total of 10 witnesses were called to the stand during the trial. Michelle denied all of the accusations that had been placed against her, but the evidence was quite convincing. Police had enough evidence to confirm that the crime stories that Sean shared with the court were true, and it seemed as though Michelle Kehoe truly had become a so-called mommy murderer. After the courts had concluded that Michelle was most likely responsible for the loss of her son's life, she was sent to see a psychiatrist to better determine why she had done such horrific things to her family. According to her medical history, Michelle had been battling severe depression for at least 12 years before the crime took place. Her psychiatrist believed that her depression had become so severe that Michelle truly couldn't understand right from wrong. Her judgment was so clouded that she didn't understand the consequences of her actions. Her psychiatrist was able to shed light on what had led to Michelle's severe depression, and in turn, what led to her committing such terrible crimes. When Michelle was young, her parents were both alcoholics. They had virtually no regard for her, and after her father passed away when she was just six years old, she was sent to live with her aunt and uncle in Iowa. Her aunt and uncle were both far more considerate of her well-being, and she adjusted reasonably well, but that didn't stop her depression from creeping in as she reached her teen years. Court records indicate that she tried to take her own life several times beginning in March of 1998, 10 years before the events of her court case. When she was sent to counseling and therapy for her depression, she was given at least 44 electric shock treatments, none of which helped and in all reality likely made things worse. During her more recent sessions with a psychiatrist, 
her doctor says that the events of the car crash in 2007 do appear to have been an accident. In fact, she began to suffer from PTSD following the incident. However, PTSD combined with her history of depression only made bad matters worse. By October of 2008, Michelle had begun thinking of taking her own life once again. However, this time she also had a fear that her children may begin to suffer with depression as well, as she believed that her mental illness was most likely genetic. With these thoughts rushing through her mind, she felt the only way to stop them from meeting the same fate as her was to end their lives before the depression took hold. This led to her committing one of the most vile and heinous crimes in Iowa state history. As the case rolled on, Michelle was now facing life in prison for her crimes. For reasons I don't completely understand, admitting her to a mental rehabilitation facility was off the table at this point. And as it would turn out, during the trial, Michelle finally admitted that the car crash she'd been involved in was also intentional, which certainly didn't help her case whatsoever. Her attorney continued to push for the jury to accept an insanity plea, but this simply didn't happen. By late 2009, Michelle Kehoe's case had finally reached a conclusion. The jury found her guilty of all charges. She was given 25 years in prison, but was also barred from ever contacting her surviving son again. To make this even worse, she would also be barred from speaking to anyone who lived with her son, which included her husband. Court records indicate that Michelle's husband continued to visit her in jail up until this ruling went into effect, at which point he was prohibited from seeing his wife so long as he lived with his son. In 2011, Michelle appealed her case, but a judge upheld the ruling. As it stands, Michelle will remain in prison until at least 2024 at which point she'll be eligible for parole. It's unclear if her ban from speaking with her son will end at that time as well, or if that will be upheld for life. We may never know what was really going on inside Michelle's mind that day. Was she truly depressed, or is she nothing more than a savage monster? According to investigators and court records, she more closely falls into the category of the latter, but I find it difficult to believe that there wasn't much more going on inside the mind of Michelle that caused her to do this. What Michelle's true intentions were may never be known, but for now, at least her family can have closure knowing that she will be paying for what she's done to her son and to her entire family. But that's the video for today, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to see more true crime documentaries just like this one, be sure to hit that like button and subscribe. You can even ring the notification bell to get updated about all of my future videos. But my name is Ty Knotts. You guys have been lovely, and I'll catch you in the next video.